Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. just about does it, I think. Just, uh, pull the curtain shut. Well, let's just hope my cob job on the film holds up, or this is gonna be one short movie. You're a regular projectionist, sis. Hmph, looks like. Bring on the popcorn. Wellington Crickmire, and my ancestors arrived here upon the promise of vast wealth. My forebearer, Abel Crickmire, purchased a rather expensive map that foretold a vast mineral deposit in the easternmost hills of a location only referred to as Marrow's Bed Lake. When my family first arrived here, they were told odd tales by the few persons who called the shores of Marrow's Bed home. These tales concerned massive deposits of gigantic inhuman bones found entangled within the ancient roots of storm-felled trees or sprung from the solid stone quarried to build the massive breakwall that followed the shoreline. And that more than one wizened fisherman had hauled up artifacts of some unknown and bygone era from the depths of the lake. The locals advised my family to leave forthwith, as the area was believed haunted by the many abominations whose awful traces were recovered from both earth and water. When asked for evidence of their assertions, the inhabitants claimed all the bones and artifacts disappeared one night during a storm that nearly uprooted every tree in the vicinity of the lake. With no proof for their claims, the olden Crickmires thought little of the rumors and superstitions of such simple folk. And, given the tremendous good fortune of finding both gold and precious gems in the same mine, they weren't about to let that lie. With even more wealth than they arrived with, my family built a town around their mining enterprise, 
naming the settlement after themselves. Shortly after the city had been made official and the Crickmire Mansion built, miners reported the discovery of a strange and sealed vault after blasting a new tunnel. Descriptions placed it outside any known category of history, yet it must have represented some degree of historical significance. This suspicion must have troubled Patriarch Abel, for if the site belonged to some long-lost walk of human, the government might well seize the location and claim it as a national treasure of some kind, depriving the old Crickmire of all his newfound wealth. It was to his good fortune, if no one else's, that those most outspoken persons concerning the matter perished in a freak cave-in, putting the matter to rest once and for all, or so it seemed. Shortly after the cave-in, miners claimed to hear noises emanating from the earth, often from beneath their very feet. A small number claimed the noises were in fact whispers, saying awful things, filling them with secrets no human head ought hold. Then the bodies began to pile up inside the mine, animals at first. The townsfolk soon got it into their heads that the strange goings-on could be effectively discharged through ritual and sacrifice. The finer points of such nonsense supplied by the very whispers they feared now often delivered via dreams during fitful sleep. At its discovery, Abel had forbidden entrance into the unknown place, an unnecessary command, given that the miners were immediately repelled by it, and continued to show an ever-increasing aversion to its presence. Not to mention, there seemed no ready means of entrance. He soon decided it a good idea to bury it, relegating the disturbing mystery back to its ancient obscurity. He had a sizable charge rigged, and the day of the explosion became imprinted in nightmare, if not within any official, formal account. What follows was taken from Abel's own journal, his first-hand account following the detonating of the vault. It was as if the mine consumed the explosion, admitting little, if any, of its power, having inhaled the fire and force into some illimitable space within itself. What I at first took for the blackest smoke was soon revealed as nothing but darkness itself, seeping thick and semi-solid from the opening of the mine. Accompanying this foul broth of the underworld was a sensation of absolute evil, a conjuration of blackest thoughts and feelings. I was moved to wretch at the very touch of it. There was also an intimation of deepest eons, stretching back as far, if not farther, than human memory itself. The men gathered with me, stout and unfeeling men, fled in an instant, but I seemed rooted to the spot, obliged to serve as both witness and scribe to the unveiling of a forgotten power. The darkness reached upwards, its movements more careful than what a thoughtless force should exhibit. It filled the sky until the heavens were black and foul as roiling tar, the sun obliterated 
The ensuing darkness was absolute, and the match I struck did nothing whatsoever to relieve it. I did not move, for I felt the attention of an unseen thing upon me. Though I could not see, I had the impression that whatever seized me in its gaze was gigantic, hovering over me as an elephant overshadows an ant. I saw no utility in loosing the scream that had welled up within me, thick and trembling, just behind my tongue. I would meet my end quietly, I determined, rather than as a squealing lamb pressed tightly between the jaws of a ravening wolf. Yet I did not die. Instead, I only beheld a message. The mine is my maw. Feed it well, and I will do likewise for you. Your coffers shall overflow with all the bounty the deep earth can provide. There is power beneath the earth, Abel Crickmire, the forgotten wisdom of dead epochs, a learned darkness older than light. I will share it with you. <laughs> for a price. I am a selfish man, and I am an immoral man, but that only goes so far. Whatever this thing of the pit would have of me was surely not going to be to my liking. At least, I suspect it, not in the long run of things. The securing of deals with devils was a poor habit of the harebrained and the overzealous alike. I was neither. I knew a lopsided deal when it was swung. The strange darkness persisted for hours, and no manner of man-made light held any power over it. By mid-afternoon the sun returned, but now shined down on a completely different place. The ensuing days were filled with madness, and I made no outward sign of my plans to run away as far as my money could take us. After the eclipse, as the townspeople came to call it, many dark deeds were performed. At the behest of the same creature who'd spoken to me, I had no doubt. It also seemed to me that the darkness that slipped from the mine, from the sundered vault, had not in fact dissipated, but had been absorbed into those mines, souls, weak enough to give it refuge and carry out its will. Every night there were houses lit up with strange industry, the business of the thing beneath the ground, assuredly. I surmised that the townspeople had been given ultimatums rather than splendid offers. This assumption was born of the misery-stricken faces of those who were most likely doing the devil's work. These were difficult days, to be sure as I had no idea how extensive the insight of the forces beneath the ground were, whether they might deduce my plan and put an end to it. One night, as we all sat down for dinner, a knock sounded at the door. Visitors were sparse, as the mansion sat high and far away from town, to limit our exposure to locals. To my surprise, it was not a single visitor, but a small crowd of them, all townsfolk. Their eyes looked sad in the dying light of the evening. They moved past me without invitation and with no sound. 
The lights flickered oddly as they began wandering my estate, investigating it. One man, however, remained behind to speak with me. He was Paul Malloy, one of the oldest miners in my employ. He asked me why I had shunned the mine, stating that the workers wanted for my presence to properly oversee their duties. Paul's eyes trembled as he awaited my answer, his hand clearly forced in coming to my house, prepared to do God knew what if I should answer incorrectly. I assured the man I had not abandoned my work, but was only focused on correspondences with potential investors, so that I might secure even more monies for the proper expansion of the mine. This explanation seemed to relieve the old miner, as he exhaled loudly. With a nod from him, the questing mob soundlessly exited my home. When Paul turned to follow them out, I saw him sheath the large hunting knife he'd held behind his back the whole time. What, what the hell's going on? Feels like a tremor. Hang on to something. While the whole room shook, another, less tangible aspect to the chaos presented itself. An ambient wickedness. It was the stuff from the cave, the serpent line. Except this time, it grew more noticeable by the second. I could feel it souring the air, moving inside my lungs, beneath my skin, into my soul. Isaiah threw back the curtains to the massive bay window that looked across the hills. What in the hell? You... you gotta be kidding me. It was like a nuke had gone off in the distance. A huge black cloud of smoke lifting into the sky. But of course, it wasn't smoke at all. Just as it wasn't smoke that had leaked from the Crickmire mine over a hundred years ago. It was darkness. Alien and palpable. Isaiah was right. The clock was ticking. And it had just gone off. Get behind me. Quick. My brother leapt in front of me, holding his hands out towards the window. I could feel the nearly solid wave of corruption surging towards us. A supernatural blast wave like an occult atom bomb. As it approached, I could see the distant hills turning brown and dead, the sky blackening, the sun dying. It struck with discernible force, except it bypassed the skin, impacting upon the surface of the soul. The sickening power howled into the room, its voice a combination of screams and powerful wind. The curtains billowed inward, soiled and ripped, the paint on the walls curled and browned, the walls and ceiling cracked and clogged with mold and grime. Isaiah used his power to shield us from the transformative effects of the baleful energy, yet it still felt as if I were clinging to a boulder in a hurricane. The worst of the wind was deflected, but the violence of the forces screeching past us placed us squarely in the heart of danger. The door behind us flew open. It was Gabriel. 
He decided not to watch the films and had gone to rest in a separate room. He walked towards us, arms outstretched, oily black tears streaming from his opaque eyes, his body deforming within the wicked clutch of the terrible powers. He was pleading soundlessly for help, his mouth opening and closing like a fish out of water. I watched powerlessly as his flesh opened in places, like wet flower petals made of bleeding flesh. Panicked eyeballs emerged from his roiling body, searching their surroundings in desperation. I could hear his bones snapping, his muscles tearing to keep pace. Through an orifice that had once been a mouth, Gabriel issued a sound no human could make. A reverberation from freshly renovated vocal cords covered the room in a song of agony and madness. Isaiah dropped to one knee, struggling to keep the hellish effulgence at bay. I looked back to find Gabriel nothing but a dark, oily pile of writhing flesh. The shrieking foulness filling the skies and the house and my soul reached its apex just as my brother found his limit. Then, only silence and darkness. The sudden transition was jarring, and I retched on the spot, my mind clogged with swirling pitch and clawing madness. I swallowed my meds before realizing it, operating on impulse, survival. Romy. <coughs> you, uh, you okay? Isaiah's voice was weak, but I couldn't see him to tell if he was in one piece. The room was just darkness, nothing else. I flicked on my lighter, but the gloom wouldn't budge. <sighs> Define okay. Hold on. Isaiah focused, and the dark fled the touch of the tiny flame. My brother was slouched on the floor, his head sagging between his shoulders. What, uh, what, what just happened? <sighs> Probably the same thing that happened to Abel Crickmeyer when he tried to bury the vault. Just on an entirely different level. <sighs> I'm guessing that when those miners died in that cave-in, which likely wasn't an accident, it acted like a sort of sacrifice, priming the serpent line. Then, when Abel detonated the vault, all that built-up energy exploded like a pressure cooker. Same thing just happened, but with a lot more sacrifices and a lot more energy. I feel like you just read me a passage from Nether Mechanics for Dummies. Teaching is all about scaling the lesson to the student, after all. <laughs> So what does this all add up to? I don't know. Nothing good, I suspect. It was hard to stay positive despite our best efforts. The atmosphere was cloying, the darkness more miasma than the lack of light. If it's not already too late, we should probably head for that mine, wherever that might be. I'm betting that gem map, or at least a copy of it anyway, is down in the crypt inside Abel's vault, more than likely. It could show us another way in, 
a way that doesn't bring us right through the front door. The going's going to be pretty rough. You didn't see what happened to Gabriel. You were kind of busy. When that foulness hit him, he, uh... He became something else. Something inhuman. Then he... Then he just melted. Jesus. Poor kid. The mine is probably pretty close to Marrow's, a lot closer than it is to us. That means they likely got a much bigger dose of that energy than what we saw way out here. Great. Just great. Isaiah was visibly weakened, so I suggested we find a corner to relax in for a while, let him recuperate. Once we started out again, we'd be relying on his power non-stop, so this was likely the only break he'd get. After we piled as much junk in front of the door as we could, more to create a makeshift alarm should anything seek to take us unawares, we sat side by side, backs against the wall. Isaiah let down his power and the darkness engulfed us. Only the sound of our breathing and the point where our shoulders touched reminded us that we weren't alone. The absolute pitch played hell with my mind, with my condition. Nychrist had placed my mother's name in my head and I could feel it clawing to get out. The moment I dropped into deep sleep again, it would strike giving fresh vitality to an old nightmare. What first seemed like a random torture was now revealed as a clever trap. Nychrist had managed to pinch me between two worlds, my dreams and the endless dark. How many moves ahead of us was he? All my life, I believed my brother and I were monsters born into the shape of humans. Aberrations my mother only knew for a few brief moments as we came ripping through her womb, killing her. But if Nychrist was telling the truth, our mother had loved us, looked forward to us. Still, it didn't make any sense, or enough sense. If we were human to begin with, why did she die? How did the Esoterium know we were different? Why were we different? I was still lost in thought when a hellish voice seeped through the cracks in the door. The dark's been telling me about you two. How you might taste. How you might scream. It was Gabriel. Or what used to be Gabriel. You know this door won't keep me out, right? I heard my brother's briefcase click open. The cold from his revolver sent a chill through me. The Dark says we have a lot in common. That you lost your family too. Your mommy, right? You killed her when you were born. Ripped her right in half. <laughs> missed me, missed me. Now you gotta kiss me. The lights flickered on and the darkness scattered. Isaiah was on his feet, eyes twitching, pale revolver in hand, wasting what little strength was left to him. Nychrist knew exactly how to play us. 
This was his game to lose. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 